Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I'm what you might call very good at hide and seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. I'm Alan Alda, and this is Clear and Vivid, conversations about connecting and communicating. We're not doing science education. You're not an expert on anything after watching our videos, but hopefully you you can appreciate something more. You're like having fun watching it, and yeah, your curiosity is sparked, and you then go on to like to read a book or I don't know, like like watch more videos to get more in-depth of it. But sparking curiosity and, and making science palatable for the gen- like for a big general audience, that's like the goal. That's Philip Detmer. His goal of igniting the curiosity of a general audience has succeeded in a huge way. On his YouTube channel called Kurzgesagt, we'll get to that name in a minute, his videos are on topics ranging from the immune system to climate change. And they've been viewed over a billion times. So many, in fact, that on the day we talked, I was already way out of date on Kurzgesagt's actual viewership. This is really great. You are a premier science communicator. Is it true that you have over 14 million subscribers on YouTube and 1 billion views? I'm I'm afraid it's uh, by now it's 17 million subscribers and 1.6 billion views. 17 million subscribers. (laughs) That's amazing. And you do it by making difficult things clear. So I think for my sake and anybody else who doesn't speak German, what does Kurzgesagt mean? It's two words, Kurz and Gesagt. And it like the one-to-one translation would be in short, but like the more more colorful translation is in a nutshell. So this premier explainer of science started out as a high school dropout. Is that true? That that is true, actually. Yeah, um, I I didn't like I didn't care for school in particular. Um, I didn't have a good time at school, so like uh, as as many people, I compensated by being like uh, a bad kid, I guess. Uh, it, like, uh, yeah, I, 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 my my voice got like deep very early on, so I caught on that I just like could call the school and like tell them I was sick. <laughs> I pretend to be my dad. <laughs> <laughs> So it, it took like it took a lot of time off and really didn't care for like learning and knowing stuff at all. Um, and at age fifteen, I left school. So what got you interested in knowing stuff? 
So I, um, a few years later, so my, my, my poor parents put me in a sort of school where they pushed me to get at least like the minimal German education, like something be, like below high school. And the, the teachers there were like very different from teachers in like regular schools. They were like, um, yeah, they were unconventional. In what way were they, were they disciplinarians? So for one, they were like very like frank with us. They were like, like, I don't know. So like, if you were annoying to them, they, they told you in very direct words that you were annoying. <laughs> I was like a student who loved messing with teachers. I didn't, like most teachers at that school, I would not mess with because they would like eat you alive. <laughs> um, to be honest, it was exactly what I needed at the time. And, and one of those teachers was like a, like an older lady. She was like in, in her sixties, I, I think. And, and she was like super strict. I was like afraid of her, but she was like so passionate, passionate about what she was teaching. She was like teaching history and her, like her classes were basically, she was like screaming at you, like very, like she was like screaming interesting stuff at you and she was not as i was used to in regular school she was not talking about dates and all that stuff that makes history boring she was talking about relationships between different facts and how they mm. came together and then formed interesting connections basically and i remember the moment where she was again like screaming at, at us at the class and me sitting there and being like like mortified in a sense but like she played a big relationship between two different things and like it sort of like clicked for me. I was like, whoa, this is so cool. I, on that day I came home and just like read my history book because I wanted to. Mm. And that was like the, the moment where like everything changed for me a little bit. It showed me that like, it's not what you teach, but like how you teach it. What got you to your first video? How did that first one happen that eventually became this incredible viral sensation. <laughs> so the, the very first video was like my bachelor thesis. So many years later, after the school stuff, I, I did study information design in, in college. Um, and on, I was on my path to become like an infographic, infographic artist. Um, but during that time on YouTube, the education scene basically exploded um, where like all sorts of people just like started channels and made stuff. And I thought that was so cool. And uh, yeah, I, I decided to try to make one, like one of these videos, like my bachelor thesis at the end of college. And that was the first video. And like, I, I didn't do it alone. Like I did it with a friend, but like I do, did most of the stuff myself, um, really hard to do, uh, but so much fun. And, and after college, I just like started to continue on that path and do more of it. I think it would be fun to play an example of one of your videos. This, this has to do with the immune system. And it, I guess this is one of the first things that happens in the immune system if you cut your fingers, say. Yeah, exactly. Okay, let's listen to it together. In your blood, hundreds of thousands of neutrophils pick up their signals and move to the battlefield. Neutrophils are intense suicide warriors that only live to kill. They're so enthusiastic about killing that they kill themselves a few days after birth so they don't have time to accidentally destroy your body from the inside. 
As soon as neutrophils arrive, they begin vomiting deadly chemicals at bacteria or devour them. They are so careless in their attacks that they are causing real damage to your own cells, but collateral damage is not their concern now. Or ever. Some neutrophils go so far to push their suicide button and explode, casting wide and toxic nets made from their own DNA filled with deadly chemicals that trap and kill bacteria. Sometimes they can continue fighting after that, even though they're sort of dead already. This is how much fun they have killing. That's less than a minute, and you pack so much into that <laughs> minute. I never had heard of neutrophils until I saw that video. <laughs> and I learned so much about what they do, not only that they exist. And I think you've said that most people are in that same boat with me. Yeah, like the immune system is uh, sort of my, my favorite topic in the world. Because it's like like so complex and so useful, and and still like most of us never really learn about it, which is like a shame. Because it's it's yeah, like like in the clip we just heard, there's like so many amazing stories in there. What's interesting is that in a relatively short video, you not only explain neutrophils, but those seem to be in the army that the immune system sends in to fight infection. The neutrophils are some of the first foot soldiers, but then you've got more complicated weapons coming in, one after another, bigger and bigger layers of sometimes slower but more powerful tools. Yeah. It's so interesting that you can pack so much in and make it so clear. How do you do it? How do you make it so clear without oversimplifying? That seems to be a danger. It it is definitely a danger, and it is it is hard to do. It is like a like a very delicate balance. When I research a topic, I begin by writing a really long script. That's much easier than writing a short one. And then I cut it and cut it and cut it. It's like like taking a big piece of meat and cutting all the fat until you really only have like the the core piece of it, mm -hmm. the part of the information that you really actually need. And it, like in combination with like using what I think is like um, non-complicated language, like I call it like human language, like not, not this, the language of science, but like, like trying to tell the scientific stories with like words that everybody can like relate to. That with like the super dense videos, but don't necessarily feel like that. But it is a it is a hard balance, and oversimplification is a big danger and a big problem. And to like avoid that, um, we work together with like multiple experts for every content piece we create to like just like get feedback to make sure we are like yeah, not going too far in that direction. Right. Do you bring experts in at various stages, in the concept stage, and then later when you get really down to the fine details. I imagine it's very easy not having studied these fields with the attention that someone has studied them all his or her life, that it's easy to gloss over an important step and you want to make sure they catch you with that, right? Yeah, to totally. But um, so we don't, we usually don't bring experts in from the very beginning um, because Experts often look at complicated things from like a perspective that is not necessarily always super useful for explaining it. 
So by basically, basically, if I write a script for a video, I need to learn about the topic myself first. And and since I'm usually coming from a perspective of someone who doesn't isn't an expert, and then I get an expert and ask them, hey, did I make mistakes? Again, like experts are not always the best at explaining their their topic, but like they are awesome at like telling you where you went wrong or where you went too far. And then from that point, I adjust, um, yeah, and, and correct and, and get a bit back, but like also like trying to not get too far and also telling the experts usually, but like, hey, don't forget, this is for lay people, but it's usually a very pleasant process. So like experts, the experts we work together, I, I, yeah, like a joy to work with. Do you have a way to make sure that the metaphors you use actually describe the process rather than, <laughs> because some metaphors lead nowhere. You yeah, know, that's true. You could say an apple is like a baseball, but there's many ways it's not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 de it depends what you want to describe, right? Like, uh, like it, it's in certain situations it might make sense. I, I don't know. Like, like I, I think metaphors should be like fun. Like they should be funny and memorable. And um, that's where, like, mm. where, like, I start thinking about them. And like, the expert's job, like, one of the experts' job is to tell us, like, if a met if a metaphor goes too far, and that happens regularly. Um, so yeah, sometimes I go overboard, but yeah. The humor in the clip we played is is really welcome when you say they get so enthusiastic about killing, they kill themselves. <laughs> It gets you to that other step with such economy, and you're delighted in the process. Really a, a remarkable job. Thank you. I get the impression that this project is both driven by curiosity, and curiosity seems to be the goal. You seem to want to promote a spirit of curiosity in the audience so that the learning doesn't end when your video is over. Yeah, I couldn't have said that better myself, to be honest. It's like, so like the, the core value of the company is creating curiosity. And ultimately, ultimately, that's exactly what we are trying to do. So the, I, I told you about like the teacher before that like did that for me when I was like 17. Um, mm. and I want to create these moments in as many people as possible. Science and learning is so like dreadful. <laughs> Uh, especially in school, or it can be very boring and like just like non-fun and like soul-crushing and horrible and like, ugh. And and yeah, like like my goal is like we're not doing science education. You're not an expert on anything after watching our videos, but hopefully, you you can appreciate something more. You're like having fun watching it, and yeah, your curiosity is sparked, and you then go on to like to read a book or I don't know, like, like watch more videos to get more in depth of it, but sparking curiosity and, and making science palatable for the gen for like for a big general audience. That's like the goal. When we come back from our break, I talk with Philip Detmer about how his fascination with the immune system became acutely personal when he was diagnosed with cancer. Hard to believe we've done more than 200 episodes of Clear and Vivid. 
which is over 200 reasons to support the show on Patreon.com. Here are three more. One, the proceeds from sponsors and donors support the nonprofit Center for Communicating Science at Stony Brook University, training people around the world to be better communicators. Two, at the highest level of support, you're invited to join the monthly video chat with me and other donors. And three, if you're interested, I'll record your voicemail message. Either a plain vanilla one, Betty can't come to the phone right now, but leave your name and number, you know, like that. Or one with some snark in it. Hi, this is Alan Alda. Betty has no interest in talking on the phone right now. Probably busy listening to my podcast. But leave your name and number and it's entirely possible you'll get a call back. Just a touch of healthy indifference for your loved ones. Go to patreon.com slash clear and vivid. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash clear and vivid. And thank you. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. This is Clear and Vivid, and now back to my conversation with Philip Detmer. It seems to me you set a difficult task for yourself and your team because you deal with so many different subjects. I saw a wonderful video you did on climate change. Mm. I learned things that I had never known before, how complicated the process of fighting climate change is and where the trouble comes from, from places we don't often think of. I saw in that that farming of rice produces as much or more CO2 as the entire airplane industry. Is that, is that, yeah. Do I have that right? But yeah, that's, that's, that's correct. That's a sort of horrible fact <laughs> that uh, most people are not aware. Like. And landfills. Landfills, do landfills contribute about or almost as much as cars yeah yeah i think i think more even we don't think about landfills no that that's like another thing we are like trying to do with the videos is like like looking for stories that like haven't been told widely or like look like like changing perspectives and for climate change especially we're like so hung up on on like a few talking points that like the overall actual complexity of the topic is usually like it's lost in that in the public discussion often. So yeah, these like I, I'm I'm happy that you like the like specifically these facts uh, like stuck with you. Like was that was like one of the goals of that video. And and that was like a like a specifically very hard video that like we we did with with experts together from the start 
which we, we often don't do, but like this was one of it. You mentioned things that have stuck in my mind. When we were talking about the immune system, I was thinking of how struck I was by what I learned in your video, that the immune system has a defense against every possible bacterium <laughs> in the universe. Mm -hmm. And my thought was, how could that be possible? And you explained it. Why don't you explain <laughs> it in your own words? Oh my God. Okay. That's, it, it, it's very hard to do. Like, like even for the video, it's very hard. Okay. I, I, I'll, I'll do my very best. This is a chance to put a nutshell in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, definitely. Yeah, the pressure. Um, okay, I try. So, um, so your immune system has like a problem. It's like, how can it make specific weapons against like every different enemy bacteria and be ready for that? And like one strategy it came up with is basically it takes a, like a, like a defense cell, like a, like a, let's say like a T cell. And this, this cell basically takes a little part of its own DNA and switches it around a little bit. It has like a like a license to to actively switch around and it like like play with its genetic code a little bit. So you have like these cells and they create each like you have a, every day you make like a billion of these cells and each of these cells like makes a little specific individual weapon from its genetic code that's like the perfect weapon against like one single bacterium. And then you have basically, you get like a, a huge am amount of, of different cells that like is each like able to like attack one enemy in, in the perfect way and kill it if it meets it. So right now in your body, you have between one and 10 cells that is like able to fight every single possible enemy in the universe, basically. Um, and you have like this storage the storage of cells. And the big challenge your immune system then has to overcome when you get sick is to like find these one to 10 cells where like that's like traveling through your body and just like it's being, it's, it's ready and it's like, like waiting to be found. And your immune system needs to find it uh, and activate it. And then this like this cell that like has a specific weapon, for example, against the coronavirus um, needs to then multiply like this one cell becomes then like tens of thousands. And the big challenge is to like find the right cell in time and then make more of it. And that's the reason why we like, uh, for example, if, if you have like the flu, it, it, it will take like, like, like a week, 10 days until these specialized cells are found and have multiplied enough. So like around like 10 days, like you, you basically your super weapons, your strong weapons arrive at the at the field of battle to then quickly kill the enemy. So once an like once an infection happens, like your immune system has the very complicated and and dangerous job to like keep the enemy in check until the, your super weapons are like like found, multiplied, and like ready to deploy. So it's a it's a very complicated system, and it's dangerous. It's a dangerous job because while they're killing the enemy, they're also killing some of your own healthy cells. Yeah. Yeah, the like one thing about the immune system that like I think like should be known more is like it, it is super dangerous. Your immune system is not not only dangerous to your enemies, it's dangerous to your own body. It like whenever you, you, your immune system is activated and engages it's always it's stressing the body it's like consuming a lot of energy it's 
consuming a lot of resources. And it's not, not really like a careful invader. It's like, you know, like in, in a war, it's like not really, it's just like it, it's shooting in the general direction of the enemies. It doesn't care that much if it like kills like a, like a few civilians <laughs> around that. It's like, hmm. I mean, it's like, it, 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 for good reason, like the immune system, like it, it is like, if, if, for example, if you cut yourself, you, you can imagine just like, uh, okay, imagine just like a little town that is like invaded by enemies. So you, your immune system would be soldiers running around with flamethrowers and just like, like, let's just burn this shit down. Like it's, uh, yeah, they're, they're not, not that careful. So yeah, you, you, your immune system regularly causes damage to yourself. And, and we spoke about neutrophils before those like really dangerous soldier cells. Um, like a really, like a funny thing about them. So they, they are attracted by death. So like if your civilian cells die, they like those neutrophil soldier cells, they can sense that. And they like, like, because like death in your body is always like a sign of like, Oh, did someone like, like is an infection going on? So the soldiers will like, like move towards the dead cells. And you have actually other soldier cells that can like sort of like get in the way that like try to cover up at like a death cells with their own bodies. So like the soldier cells don't find the dead civilian um, to prevent the soldier cells from like, yeah, like activating their flamethrowers. And uh, yeah, like, like mm. a considerable part of your immune system ha like isn't doing nothing but like calming the immune system down. Because the immune system is so dangerous to yourself. For example, think of like what what can you what can kill you how quickly? So like Ebola, for example, really horrible disease. Still will take four or five days until it kills you. Your immune system can kill you in 15 minutes. So if you like people who die of allergic shocks, that's that's the immune system killing them. One of the things that is unfortunate and ironic is as you were immersing yourself in learning about the immune system, you were diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. How are you, wh where were you in your study of the immune system when that happened? And where are you now with your cancer diagnosis? Uh, so I, I'm, I'm fine. As far as I know, I'm, I'm clean. But yeah, I don't know. I was just like I was thirty-two and just like uh, like doing my science explainer things when that happened. Um, but it really like reinvigorated my my like sort of fascination and love for the immune system because like the immune system is like super responsible for like keeping cancer in check and ideally killing it before it became like can become a thing and a big thing. And in my case, it had failed. And uh, like, like, it, like cancer cells have to do a lot of stuff to escape the immune system. It, it's not easy. The immune system is like, like every single second of your life, your immune system is, is hunting cancer cells or is looking for them and then killing, killing them like left and right constantly. And that hadn't worked out. And I mean, like I can't, I can't recommend cancer as a general life experience. Um, so it wasn't fun, but it was like super interesting. So I, le I learned so, so much. And I like annoyed my doctors with many questions. And uh, um, 
I mean, it is super fast. Like, I, I couldn't be really upset at my immune system because I'm, I'm sure it did it. It it, it did its best. Um, but like, it was like another opportunity to like learn about how it works and and why it had failed and like just like have respect for the the great effort the cancer cells had to go through to become that much of a of a danger. And and in the end, as the chemo killed my tumors. My immune system went in and basically ate the cancer cells alive, or like the, consumed their bodies at least. So like I had like tumors and like a few lymph nodes, and those lymph nodes they don't exist anymore. So immune, my immune system ate them, which is pretty cool, I think. <laughs> pretty cool. <laughs> that's that's the that's the epitome of curiosity right there. <laughs> I mean, again, the cancer is not fun, but it is super interesting. Well, this conversation has been super interesting to me. I'm so grateful to you for having it with me. We, we're running out of time, but we always end our show with seven quick questions. Okay. Roughly to do with communication. Are you, are you game? Okay. I'm game. Okay, first question. What do you, what do you wish you really understood Oh, oh my God, like everything. I don't know. Oh, God, that's so much. Wow, oh, that's like, oh God, can can I answer that? Okay. Uh, um, uh, I, I guess life, like, like I really would, I would love to understand cells, uh, like to, to like, to the, to the final degree. Uh, like there's like nothing more interesting than biology, in my opinion. And like in a different, in a parallel universe, I'm, I'm currently studying microbiology. How's it going? <laughs> Hopefully, like, I'm, I'm, I'm probably very happy. But yeah, like, like, like in, in, in videos and in my book and stuff, like I always talk about cells. Like they're like these like tiny units of life, really like tiny protein robots um, that just work because like they're like sparked, like brought like, like brought to life by the laws of the universe and nature. And oh my god, like cells are so cool. They're like so fascinating, and and when when in a video we say a sentence like a cell says something to another cell, in reality it's like hundreds of processes going on inside these like fascinating micro machines. So I'm I'm stopping like we have six more questions, so I'm, I'm stopping <laughs> now. But like cells, definitely. Okay, I want to understand cells. Okay, okay, completely how they okay, work. Okay, good. Second question: How do you tell someone they have their facts wrong? As politely as possible. What's the strangest question anyone has ever asked you? I don't know. And I, I, like, I don't think, like, I think, I think it's like, uh, we, we shouldn't look at questions like that. Like, every question is okay. That's, that's my stance. It's like, there are like, they're, they're like no dumb questions. And um, I'm asking a lot of dumb questions, like, like, or not very smart questions all the time. Everybody should be able to ask anything. So I don't have, I don't have a, Bad question. How do you stop a compulsive talker? Oh my god, I don't know. Oh my god, I'm, I'm really struggling with that. Like, so, like, if if you find if you have a good answer, please please let me know. <laughs> Most people suggest that they say I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> let Let's say you're at a dinner table next to someone you've never met. How do you start up a genuine conversation? I, just saying hi and asking them about themselves. Like everybody likes talking about themselves, I guess. 
and it's the uh, and and vice versa. And if you're genuinely interested in the the other person, that that often then like like transforms into like a genuine conversation. Yes, I find that I find that too. What gives you confidence? Oh my God! Sorry, like like, like a that 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 is like a harder like that question is pretty hard actually. Hmm. I mean, my my friends and my family, the people around me. And given our conversation, this is an interesting one to me. What book changed your life? Oh, a few ones. Like in in this context, I want to like give a shout out to um, the Science of the Disc World by Terry Pratchett. For for context, it's it's a long series of novels by by a sadly passed away author Terry Pratchett, like a British author. He wrote a, like a like a long series of like fantasy novels of a fictional world, the disc world, like a world that's like carried around by four elephants and floating through the universe on like they're like standing on on a tortoise floating through the universe. It makes sense, I promise. But like the he wrote a, a like a <laughs> <laughs> I like. I'm, like really, it's it, it's great series of books. There are like thirty of them, and he, he like he came up with the most amazing world and the most most amazing universe. Um, but like after he had written like like twenty five ish of these novels, he partnered with like scientist friends of his, and they wrote a book that's called like I think the Science of the Round World. And what it basically is, this book, it's it's a way to look at our universe from the perspective of the fictional universe he created. And I think like a lot of like my writing style and my style of explaining science nowadays really um, influenced by that book and by just like by this way of thinking. Like like um, the authors really present a, a way to to look at the world from an outside perspective. And that's always what I'm trying to do with our explanations and our videos. Like like stepping back not looking, trying not to look at the thing you want to explain from the inside, but from the outside. That turned out to be an, a question and an answer that encapsulated the whole conversation. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for a really delightful talk. I appreciate it very much. Thank you very much for having me. This has been clear and vivid. At least I hope so. My thanks to the sponsor of this podcast and to all of you who support our show on Patreon. You keep Clear and Vivid up and running. And after we pay expenses, whatever is left over goes to the Alda Center for Communicating Science at Stony Brook University. So your support is contributing to the better communication of science. We're very grateful. Philip Detmer is the founder, CEO, and head writer of the YouTube channel Kurzgesagt also known as In a Nutshell. His admiration for the immune system has now gone beyond Kurzgesagt's videos to a best-selling book called Immune, A Journey into the Mysterious System That Keeps You Alive. This episode was edited and produced by our executive producer, Graham Chedd, with help from our associate producer, Gene Chimay. Our publicist is Sarah Hill. Our researcher is Elizabeth O'Haney, and the sound engineer is Erica Huang. The music is courtesy of the Stefan Koenig Trio. You can subscribe to our podcast for free at Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen.
This is the last episode of Clear and Vivid Season 17, but Season 18 is just around the corner. Next week, Graham and I will give you a sneak peek at some of the guests I'll be talking with. Starting the season are two old friends, the actors Victor Garber and Fred Molina. We get together again 24 years after we first met in a play on Broadway that changed our lives. In following weeks, we'll be talking with the great Francis Collins about everything from COVID to religion. And I'll be learning about how jazz musicians, artists, and even comedians are having their brains scanned to discover the source of their creativity. Later in the season, I'll be talking with a husband and wife team who have powerful insights into what makes for a successful relationship and with an emergency room doctor who writes about his experiences with insight and compassion and has lessons for us all. Our conversations will also cover the disgraced movie producer Harvey Weinstein, a neuroscientist best known for his work in trying to understand if our dogs really love us, and a philosopher whose most important philosophical insights have come from his two young sons. A pretty diverse set of conversations. I hope you'll join us on Clear and Vivid.